Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. In today's episode, I am thrilled to welcome my longtime friend, Roger Holzberg, to the show. Roger is one of the most innovative and creative people I've had the pleasure to work with, and he's one of the most accomplished storytellers I know. We met while both working at Disney, where Roger spent 12 years as an award-winning creative director and vice president of Walt Disney Imagineering. Since then, he's gone on to do some truly incredible and impactful work. Roger is the co-founder of Reimagine Well, a company that designs and builds immersive healing experiences for hospitals and treatment centers. As a professor at California Institute of the Arts, Roger created the Experience Design and Healthcare Curriculum. He also served as the first consulting creative director for the National Cancer Institute. Roger is a father, a 15-plus-year cancer survivor, and a competitive triathlete. During our conversation, Roger provides advice for teens and adults to develop their creative side and engage their imagination, including sharing his three rules for creative problem solving. He also shares his aha moment that he experienced as a child and how it came full circle decades later. Be sure and share this conversation with your teen. It will get their creative juices flowing. Now let's get started. Welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Are you tired of watching the teenagers in your life trying desperately to keep up on the high school hamster wheel? Is your teen confused about which direction to take after high school graduation? Our world is changing, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they can feel empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we will explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and I can't wait to take this journey with you. Hi, Roger. Thanks so much for being here on the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. You're welcome. Hi, Betsy. It's good to see you. It is good to see you, too. For my listeners, Roger and I go way back um, in our Disney history, and I am beyond thrilled to have Roger on the podcast today because we just have a lot of memories and a lot of experiences, but also Roger has been doing so much good in the world. I keep saying you use your power for good everywhere you go. And I, I can't wait for my audience to heal, hear all about what you have going on and where you've been and where you're going. But before we get there, can you just give a, a quick intro to my audience so they know a little bit about who you are? My name is Roger Holzberg. And from a career point of view, I would say the <laughs> I have two and a half jobs at this point in my life. I founded a company called Reimagine Well, which designs immersive healing experiences and experiential education for patients on the journey between diagnosis and well-being. I am also the creative director for an initiative called Real-Time Animatronics with a animatronic robot company called Edge Innovations. And I teach multiple classes at the California Institute of the Arts in their experience design program, focusing on experience design in healthcare specifically. That's a lot. That's yes, a lot. but uh, most importantly, I'd say I'm a dad and uh, I raised two kids who went through high school. 
<laughs> so I have some perspectives and points of view about it. I'm, I'm sure you do. Um, so I'm going to ask you the big question. How can young people develop their creative side and engage their imagination? Because you have spent your entire career as a creative with one of the most incredible imaginations, and you are one of the best storytellers I've met. So where to begin here? Yeah, I am really glad to start with that question. I have coined a phrase that I always begin every one of my classes at the California Institute of the Arts with. And the phrase that I've coined is called fearless creativity. And I define fearless creativity as the belief that you have the talent, intelligence, intuition, and passion to solve any creative challenge. Now, the question is, how do you get to the point where you're fearlessly creative? Um, And I've had enough of those challenges thrown into my lap to know what it means. When I left Disney to become the first creative director at the National Cancer Institute, I had never worked in healthcare before. Suddenly, I was at the National Institutes of Health having to redesign 25,000 pages of gobbledygook that was our federal cancer website, cancer.gov, that was completely unnavigable, whether you were a patient, a researcher, or a clinician. And I also was going to have to take that institute into social media and new media, and I had never worked in healthcare before. I knew that if I assembled the right team, that I would be able to learn what I needed to learn and develop the experience that would deliver the National Cancer Institute as a client what they needed to fix their problems, right? So I think about it as creative problem solving. I have three rules for what it takes to grow yourself into a fearlessly creative person because it is a journey. And these are related to my journey and you'll hear some of the beats uh, along the way in a little bit. Rule number one, celebrate breaking the rules. Celebrate breaking the rules. I love that. When I was in third grade, I joined the chorus at my school because I wanted to sing. My parents were surprised. They didn't know I was even interested in singing. Uh, a, A few weeks later, I was on a swing set singing my grandmother the Star Spangled Banner, which was a song we were learning. And I totally panicked because I forgot the last stanza. And I was really embarrassed and really shy. And my grandmother said, just make it up. And I said, wait, you're allowed to make up words to a song? And she said, yes. And I said, a song like the Star Spangled Banner? And she said, especially a song like the Star Spangled Banner. So I made up the last stanza, sung it, she applauded. And from then on, I realized that in the world of creativity, it's actually okay to break the rules. Yeah. In fact, sometimes it's celebrated, right? Um, the second one I would say is love the blank page. Um, Marty Sklar, who was the head of Walt Disney Imagineering, um, and was basically the creative director for everything Imagineering did past Disneyland up until he left the company um, and passed away in 2018, um, used to give Imagineers a book 
the cover of which says, the most frightening thing in the world. And inside that cover is the blank sheet of paper. And it is literally a book of blank sheets of paper. A blank sheet of paper can either be the most frightening thing in the world, or it can be the most exciting thing in the world. And for me, it has always been the most exciting thing in the world. From, there's an old saying that says, the first draft of something comes from your heart. Every draft after that comes from your head. The same thing is true for a blank sheet of paper. You are the first person to put down an idea when you put it down on a blank sheet of paper. And it doesn't matter whether it's a drawing or a story or a formula or a piece of software code, right? If you are the first person to put an idea down on a blank sheet of paper, you're giving birth to an idea. Everything after you show it to somebody else, it does come from your head. So learn to love the blank sheet of paper. When I was a kid, I would take a blank sheet of paper and I didn't know whether I wanted to draw on it or write on it. And the process is exactly the same. That's what I've learned. The third rule, capture your own aha moments and don't lose sight of them. Because your aha moments are the things that will sustain you, motivate you and inspire you when you are way, 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 way past the, uh, the point where something is just exciting and new to you. So I'll thread an aha moment chain for you, which is about 55 years long. When I was uh, young in elementary school, my dad owned a fishing boat in, uh, in South Florida, in Miami. And it was uh, at the, a place called Crandon Park Marina. I would get to go out on the boat on Saturdays. And when the boat would come back in, the men would clean the fish. And they'd say to us kids, which was often just me and my cousin, uh, that place called the Miami Sea Aquarium, about halfway up the road here, they got some pens out there. Just go up there and make yourselves busy and entertain yourselves. And we'd go up and watch them training dolphins in these pens. We were actually, at that point, allowed to actually jump in the water with them. I would watch this, and something always felt weird to me about it. I'd, in the morning, I'd have been out in the Gulf Stream seeing hundreds of these animals swimming their normal migratory routes or fishing or hunting as they did, right? A dolphin can swim a hundred miles in a day. And then in the afternoon, I'd see them in pens the size of bedrooms sometime. After watching dolphins in pens, the next beat I had in that creative thread was in 1965, when I got to go with my family to see the World's Fair in New York. It was the first use of animatronic figures ever in the history of entertainment. I believed I saw Abraham Lincoln get up on a stage and talk to me and tore the jacket sleeve of my father's coat as we were walking out of the theater, pulling on it to figure out how that happened, right? 
Fast forward to I am working in the film industry, and I had the opportunity to work on a documentary called The Discoverers, and there is a sequence in it about interspecies communication. And once again, I get to see dolphins and dolphin research that's being done with scientists and understand kind of the basics of interspecies communication. And somehow those animals in captivity still feels wrong to me. A couple of years later, I was working for an organization developing a program for an actor named Ted Danson, um, an environmental project for the United Nations Environment Program. And Ted was also in the process of starting the American Oceans Campaign that became Oceana. I volunteered for that because I was still passionate about our world oceans. Um, I had done the IMAX movie, The Living Sea, by that point, which celebrates our world oceans. And it was becoming more of a thing in my life. But this began when I was nine, okay? Fast forward to uh, Betsy and I are working together at Walt Disney World. And I am the creative director at Epcot. And Epcot has a pavilion called The Living Seas. And the Walt Disney Company is building attractions at a private island called Castaway Key. And they want some ideas for this kind of stuff. I pitched an idea of using the animatronic technology that had been developed for the theme parks, but combining it with a free-swimming water creature and knew of a special effects company that had done some similar kinds of things for movies like Free Willy, they'd built the Orcas, Flipper, they built a dolphin for that. And I got a small grant from Marty Sklar to do a pilot program. We did both a pilot attraction at Castaway Key. And if you look on YouTube and you do a search for Dolphin Drew, D-R-U, Dolphin Robotic Unit, you'll find it. There's plenty of video of it out there. And we did the attraction also in the Living Seas. We ultimately ended up building an attraction called Turtle Talk with Crush because Disney was in the process of acquiring Pixar and Turtle Talk with Crush was going to be able to be at about five theme parks worldwide and on all the cruise ships. And a robotic dolphin was not going to be anywhere but in the water which meant two locations possible at the Walt Disney Company. It didn't make sense for them. That project got put on the back shelf for 20 years. 20 years. Wow. Longer, a longer time frame than most of your high school students, hopefully all of your high school students, will have had in their life. And 18 months ago, out of the blue, someone saw the Drew video on YouTube called me and said, there are three large oceanariums being developed in China, and they want to explore the possibility of doing robotic animals, particularly large sea creatures, in those oceanariums. Are you available to consult on that? And after I turned them down three times, because saying, you know what, I don't do that anymore. I do experience design in healthcare. That's really what my life is about. My wife said to me, you know, I want you to just think about this in a different way. If you save 100 plus large marine mammals from being caught out of the ocean and put into aquariums, you've changed the history of three species. And I went, okay, sorry. That's an emotional thing for me, right? 
Yeah, I um, think that's incredible. And uh, so I said, you know what? I need to find a way to have another full-time job. So, uh, and we developed and built those prototypes, all of which you can see. And then COVID hit us and the project went on pause. But I have a feeling as soon as COVID's over, it will explode because the marine park and the marine entertainment industry has changed enormously over the last decade or two, not only because of ethical reasons, but also because of the cost. And there is a better way as far as I'm concerned, to do entertainment and education. And it doesn't involve taking live animals out of their habitats and putting them in jail. So how do you sustain passion for a creative idea, you know, that starts when you're nine, right? And, you know, and comes to fruition when you're 65, right? You capture your aha moments and you don't lose sight of them. That's my third fearless creativity rule. If you are passionate about something creatively, write it down so you don't forget it. Because it might be two decades from now when that passion gets actualized in a real way. And you might have to tap into that inspiration that you had when you were in high school or even before to remember why and how you're going to put it into uh, real-world implementation at a later time. That is a lifetime worth of wisdom, I mean, especially for young people and who are starting out. I love that you talk about capturing it early and not letting go. And, I, you know, I talk a lot about this, but I feel like our teens in particular don't get the opportunity to explore. You know, high school is so structured and rigid. And while there's, you know, some electives and some opportunity to tap into creativity, there's not a lot yeah. in their structured day. I'm Anne-Marie Kelly. Wild Precious Life is a podcast about dreaming big, digging in and connecting across distance, division and loss. In each episode, I talk with prize-winning writers, musicians and wanderers who remind all of us how we can make the most of the time we have. So meet me here. Let's walk and talk and dream and discover what it means to be wild, precious, and brave. So my only real best friend in high school that I had was my high school drama teacher. And I said, Mrs. Mansfield, I have a problem, right? She said, what's your problem? I said, you know, I have, I'm playing in a band. I have this equity apprenticeship with this theater. I just got this touring job to like go to prisons and youth detention centers and stuff. And I don't have time for high school. And she said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, I want to do what I'm doing and not come to school. And she said, um, okay, let's figure this out. She said, if you take your SATs and get an early acceptance to a college and, uh, she said, if you swear on a stack of Bibles that you'll then go to college, I'll figure out this high school thing for you. And I said, okay, that's what fantastic. A great teacher. So I took early SATs and they were horrible, horrible, right? She said, look, I know some deans of some theater schools um, and I can write some letters. I'll write some letters and make some introductions for you. And there's a program at the University of Colorado that would be perfect for you. And so I got conditionally accepted to go to college. 
um, if I went to summer school and proved that I was capable of doing college level work based on my portfolio and a, and a couple of recommendations. So I immediately stopped going to high school and worked the rest of my senior year, actually left Miami and went to Colorado before high school graduation even happened, right? So I didn't even attend and went to the University of Colorado on a conditional program. Um, at the end of the summer, the guidance counselor who I met with said, oh, by the way, we've never gotten a high school transcript on you. I need to have your high school transcript before the fall semester or you can't come back to school. And I said, I have a 4.0 average. There was no extra credit, right? In those, day, in those days, 4.0 was the best you could do, right? right I said, right. I have a 4.0 average. Uh, they said, doesn't matter. We need to have a high school transcript. And I walked away, walked out of the office and went, BS, I have a scholarship and I have a 4.0 average. They're not going to kick me out of the University of Colorado. I came back, went to school in the fall. At the end of the fall semester, I still had a 4.0 average. The same guidance counselor called me back into their office and said, I wasn't kidding. Now we're really serious. So here's the real deal. Either I see a high school transcript by the end of, of Christmas break, or you don't come back to school, your scholarship's canceled, and your conditional acceptance is revoked. And I went, holy crap, right? what am I going to do? I, this was, these were in the days also you could pick up a telephone and call 411 and say, please give me the home phone number of Francis Mansfield. This is an emergency, right? And they right. gave me my right. high school drama teacher's home phone number. And I called her and I said, remember um, like a year ago almost, almost when you said, uh, we'll figure this out. There's a problem. I'm going to college. I'm, it's going really well. I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. They're going to kick me out if I don't have a high school transcript. So she said, uh, where are you going to be this Christmas holiday? I said, where do I need to be? She said, Miami, Florida. I said, I'll be there. Cutting to the chase, um, on a Sunday, I went to my high school, and between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m., I took all of my high school finals. In one day? In one day. Wow. I am, I am positive I did not do that well on them. But within the next two weeks, my high school transcript showed up at the University of Colorado. That's an incredible story. That's uh, gifts like that just don't come. And so, so, and, and, and the, I'll give you the punchline on the story. I then lost track of Francis Mansfield. Um, you know, I think somewhere either after I directed my first movie or I got hired by Disney, I tried to find her and go, thank you. I, I, I can't imagine what, where, where my life would have been without you as a high school teacher, right? To be a mentor and guide and angel you know, in my life. Right. Um, and I couldn't find her. She didn't, she was, there was no telephone number in Miami, whatever cut to about three years ago, Facebook messenger. Somebody reaches out to me on Facebook messenger and says, are you Roger Holzberg who went to Palmetto high school? And I go, okay, your name's Sean Mansfield. Do you happen to be related to Francis Mansfield? And he says, I'm her son. I said, is she still alive? And does she have a phone number and an email address? And can I have it now? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
and he gives me her phone number. I call it. She answers the phone. We spent two hours oh, on the phone wonderful. at 94, right? She was still sharp as a tack. And I got to say, I got to thank her for a, an unbelievable gift in my life. So, wow. I love that. Yeah. I talk about that too. Like find your path, find the path that's right for you. Yeah. And to your point, even if you have to break the rules, break the rules, just find yeah. your way to what's going to make you happy. And to have somebody like that, helping you through that, she's a treasure. Maybe the lesson is find a mentor, mm. you know, in or out of your school, mm-hmm. you know, who will enable you to learn how to break the rules. So, yeah, I mean, find your mentors, but also don't be afraid to challenge your teachers to make what you learn relevant for you and the world that you live in and the future that you're going to inhabit. Amen. Amen. I totally agree. I think, especially in the world we live in now, there's no better time to push that envelope and to say, this doesn't work for me. Let's do something else. Yep. Great stories. Great stories, right? Yeah. What a journey. What a journey. I think people dream about doing half of what you've done. And what's really cool is you're not anywhere close to done. You have so much going on and so much coming up. Yeah. If I had to write the script for my life, I'm not sure I would have wanted to be this busy at 66, but, I, uh, but I'm happy that uh, that's the challenge that I'm facing. I think it's a good place to be. And again, you're doing busy doing stuff that matters. So one more beat on that. Um, I often say, were it not for a cancer diagnosis 16 years ago, I'd still happily be drinking the Disney Kool-Aid and playing in the Disney campus on the biggest creative canvas that exists on the planet, right? Maybe this falls under the blessings sometimes come in unusual packages. On the eve of my 50th birthday, I heard the three words that one in two American men and one in three American women here in the course of their lifetime. I sat across the table from a doctor who said, you have cancer. I suddenly knew the next day I was 100% clear that working 60, 70 hours a week for the Walt Disney Company, traveling around the world was not going to be in my, not what I wanted to do anymore. Um, I knew I wanted to transition somehow into healthcare and patient experience. Um, my dad had been, as I said, a VA physician. My family had, I had lost my mom to cancer when I was young. Um, it was, uh, I, I wanted somehow to impact the patient journey, and I didn't even know what that meant, right? It took me four years to figure it out. But I would say to you 16 years later, I often say this, I might have made a lot more money as a vice president at the Walt Disney Company than I make today, but I feel a whole lot richer for what I do now. I couldn't be happier doing what I'm doing. And I I won't say I hate that it was cancer that kicked my bottom out of the Walt Disney Company into what I look at as the final chapter of my life, which is never working on anything that I don't feel 
that I don't believe a thousand percent leaves the world a better place than where I started. Um, but uh, that's something I guess that you want to aspire towards. Um, yeah, look at all sides of everything that comes your way. Um, because even in the darkest of times, there might be there might be a shining light that you just have to open your eyes in a different way to recognize. Yep. Silver linings. There's a lot of those going on right now. Well, this has been eye-opening for me. I've learned so much about you, Roger. I thought I knew you so well, and that there was so much I didn't know. And I know that my audience is going to get so much great wisdom and insight and your story. You are a master storyteller. How lucky we are to have been able to to hear all about your journey. There are so many places to find your work, what you're doing and what you've done online. And I'm going to include a list of links in the show notes, um, especially the work you're doing now with Imagine Well and with the animatronic dolphins. I just think it's fascinating. And like I said, you're just doing so, putting so much good out into the world. So thank you. You're welcome. And it's been a pleasure. And I love the fact that I'm able to do this and give back. Betsy, I would say in answer to your question about if people want to follow me and my work, four, four things will make it pretty easy. There is a Wikipedia page. And I promise that. Uh, 90, 95% of what's on it is real. Right, right. <laughs> um, LinkedIn is a pretty good place um, in terms of social media. Reimaginewell.com and then edgeinnovations.com. Okay. I will include all of those links. Thank you so much for being here, Roger. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. It's great to see you again. And I'm so proud of you and what you're doing. Thank you. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you would share it with a friend or two. The more that listen, download, and share, the better others will be able to find it. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast player so new episodes will be delivered directly to you as soon as they're available. If you have any topics or guests you'd like me to bring onto the podcast, I welcome your suggestions. You can find and connect with me on the High School Hamster Wheel Facebook page or on my website at highschoolhamsterwheel.com. All links and references mentioned during this episode can be found on the show notes page on my website. The High School Hamster Wheel Podcast is a proud partner of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living.